This is a special Uncommon Sense podcast for 3 R FM with Amy Mullins. The interview you're about to hear is with Dr. Maurice Elbert, a political scientist at the University of Melbourne. Maurice joined me on the phone to discuss the French presidential election results that saw President-elect Emmanuel Macron become leader of France. We also discuss what's next for Macron and his party en marche. And I now have with me uh, via the phone, Dr. Maurice Elbert, who uh, she is actually a political scientist at the University of Melbourne. And she's very kindly joining us to give us her, I guess, take and, and also um, her analysis on what has happened um, with this French presidential election. And, uh, and particularly, I'm very pleased to have you, uh, Maurice, because uh, you are French yourself and French speaking. So uh, you have far more access to um, actual pro- French primary sources than we do. So uh, I'm hoping that you've managed to read Le Monde because I haven't. Yes, I'm reading Le Monde every day because I subscribe to it. So thank you for inviting me. No worries. Um, it was one of my um, nerdy moments when I went to France that I went to an actual news agent and bought uh, Le Monde but could not really read it. Um, but it was still very exciting. <laughs> So I'm very pleased to uh, speak with you about French politics and hopefully uh, you can share with us um, what's really been happening because uh, it's it's somewhat of a, a confusing process to those who aren't aware of it. In particular, with these this presidential election, we've had two rounds. And first, I'm just hoping that you could um, recap for us, uh, for those of us who aren't quite aware of the French presidential election process, how things went in the first round and who were the key candidates and, and then we'll move into this um, second and final round. Yes, this is a really good question. So, um, yes, the uh, electoral system in France is quite different from other systems uh, abroad. And for every election, except for the European election, this is a two-round process. And it is believed that in the first round you vote with your heart and in the second round you vote with your brain. And then you've got 14 days in between to deeply think about your, your vote and who you're going to vote. For, uh, vote for and what is your best candidate or, no, or maybe who you are not going to vote for. So in the first round of the election, there were, we could say, four candidates who appear to be her head of and around all of them 20%. You had, first of all, Emmanuel Macron, which was at 24%. For him, it was a kind of an outstanding uh, victory, particularly because his movement did not exist a year ago. So within a year, he's been able to um, uh, gather enough vote and convince enough people to vote for him, which in itself is a quite outstanding achievement. But then you had also Marine Le Pen. She got 21% in the first round of the election. Um, con- she believed that she would do much better than this in the first round. She thought she would be around 30 percent, and uh, it was a bit. It was a victory because she qualified for the second round. But you could actually argue as well that it was a, a hollow victory, just because it was not as much as she wanted. She wanted to have. 
Then you have two other candidates. I'm just going to name them because I think in the future they're going to be quite important. You had uh, François Fillon, uh, a right-wing guy. Um, he was... Um, accused of a lot of corruption allegation all along the political campaign, which uh, pinned down quite a lot his uh, ability to actually put forward forward this policy, but rather he was only uh, interviewed about those corruption allegation. And last but not the least, you had Monsieur Mélenchon, Jean-Luc Mélenchon. So Jean-Luc Mélenchon can be categorized as the same kind of movement and the movement you find in Spain, which is called Podemos. Uh, so it's a movement, it's a bit like Emmanuel Macron movement. Um, it it gathered a lot of kind of different uh, uh, trend of politics going from greens, communist, uh, any kind of left and other people who, who think um, uh, Emmanuel Mélenchon should be uh, their candidate. In the first round, um, uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon did 19%, which is actually a very good score for him and especially because he's trying to, to get traction as this, as this kind of good uh, recipe he had in the first round in order to um, build a real opposition um, prior to the next legislative election. And Mélenchon is a really interesting one because he's from the far left and it was also interesting to see that uh, the main traditional parties such as the socialists did not do very well at all and and the, and are not were not represented in this second round it really was um, the front national and uh, macron's en marche and these are really just new as you say i mean front national is not so new but uh, but it hasn't traditionally been one of the two final parties what do you see as this development really reflecting within French society? Is it a disruption to the, the traditional way of doing politics and viewing politics? Um, I think it's a, it's a good point. Um, the two uh, main candidates that we can see now, Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen, build their whole political campaign on on not being part of the system and this is one of the, the main argument which I think contributed to a qualified in the first round. So yes these two candidates just build everything on not being from the system being different, not being part of the political elites although we can always argue that it's not really the case, but this is a way they can kind of portray themselves during the whole political campaign. Absolutely. Well, we know that uh, Macron, uh, although he has never been elected before, he was an advisor to the current president, Francois Hollande, and later he was his Minister of Economy, Industry and Digital Affairs for two years. So he actually does have some political experience and Marine Le Pen has a uh, almost family tradition of uh, being involved Involved in the far right uh, in France. So potentially that isn't really the case, but obviously um, there's some level of discontent within the current approach to politics in France. What do you think were some of the key issues that swayed voters to Macron's side as opposed to Marine Le Pen's? 
This is actually a really good question because I do believe that actually uh, Marine Le Pen has a bit missed on the kind of international and internal national context which would have favored her to win the election. She hasn't been able to impose her issues during the political campaign and her issues were the Europe, uh, the European Union, immigration, poverty and unemployment. Rather than this, this is much more corruption allegation, which was the main topic of the first part of the presidential election. Additionally, I would say the reason the reason Marine Le Pen lost, and this is something we should not forget, it's because her own party is a main liability. I mean by that way that actually while she Marine Le Pen has been working for the last ten years in sweeping under the carpet the kind of dark side of the national front. Um the second, uh, the dark side of the national phone com- comes up all the time. Um, for instance, uh, she stepped down her head of the front, national front and was re- was replaced by a guy no, named Jean-François Gelk. And the, sec- the second he was named as head of the national front, a video uh, emerged on YouTube showing that he was denying the Holocaust. I'm just explaining, I'm just providing this example to show that actually it is very difficult for Marine Le Pen to hide the kind of, the kind of nasty side of her own national front. And this is one of the reasons that she lost. And because people do not want to vote for her. Yes, and didn't she seek to distance herself from her own party during the campaign? Yes, she, she 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 tried to, but she, she was not successful at uh, at all. I, I, I think she was actually the second part of her campaign was actually a kind of a failure. The strategy she used, the kind of aggressive strategy she used, uh, didn't work for her. People were waiting for her to uh, do some proposition to put forward a political agenda. In instead, she went on all attacking Emmanuel Macron and kind of using the kind of Donald Trump uh, Donald Trump uh, style and strategy of campaign and it didn't work that well for her. Yes, and in the final debate between Macron and Le Pen, that is certainly came across that she was um, really just attacking his character and his policy platforms, but providing not very much detail and often confusing uh, policy positions of her own. That strategy has worked in other countries, but clearly it hasn't worked here. And Macron provided a very optimistic take on France's future. And uh, even with his movement, it's En Marche, which is all about looking forward and France moving forward. He's now naming his movement La République En Marche, which is really, you know, now that he uh, will become president, he needs to solidify his his power base, which at the moment is very minimal in terms of um, in the National Assembly. I'm really interested to hear, first of all, just how decisive his victory was in this presidential election and whether that will impact in a positive way the forthcoming elections? 
Yes, this is a really good question because so it seems that 65% is a, it's a kind of an outstanding uh, result for him. And it is in some ways. Let's be very clear. clear. But that said, uh, there was a lot of people who didn't turn up to vote and a lot of people who, uh, so there, was, there were a lot of people who abstained and a lot of other people who voted blank, almost uh, 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 a quarter of all the voters actually didn't turn up, or either didn't turn up or voted blank. So it's going to be for him a very difficult exercise. And as you point out, his next step for him is going to have to be able to have a clear majority at um, at the parliament. And right now, if we look at it, it do, he does not have his movement does not have any kind of MPs. So within a month, he has to come up with enough candidates to put for, to, to put forward in order for them to be elected and in order for him to get a majority at the parliament. And this is going to be a huge task, a huge task. And I think it is much more likely that he is going to have to deal with the kind of traditional parties, MPs that there is there's going to be, there is already in place, who are and are most likely to be voted in again. And so it means that um, as soon as he has to negotiate with those different parties, he is going to have to water down about a bit his policies and, and hence change a, a little bit his agenda. Absolutely. And that may not be popular because he has some clear and strong policy positions. But before we go to those, because I'm really interested in a few of them, he's actually said that he's seeking uh, 50-50 male and female candidates and also that 50% of those not be um, from politics so that they come from another sector and have a, a better or more diverse life experience. If you're seeking such a perhaps inexperienced group, um, this may be difficult to, to grasp enough seats to be able to have a working majority, as you say, and therefore he'll need to build some form of a coalition um, or at least to have good working relationships with um, those parties closest to him. If he can't gather enough support of his own, um, you know, within his own movement and own party, then who do you think are the likely allies that he might rely on? So the likely allies he must rely on, it's, it's a very good question, is going to be the party, uh, the socialist members and the Republican members and especially the centre-right Republican members. He's going to be able to find some sort of majority around that. And um, although it's, it's true that in Australia we are very used to the two-party system, we can also look at Nordic country where, where they have a much more... Uh, um, diverse system with multiple parties usually governing all together. So it's possible to go govern even within a, a very diverse um, uh, assembly. I've got no doubt about that. Um, that said, that said, as we said again together a few seconds ago, why, because he's going to have to make any kind of, some kind of alliances, or he's going to have to then negotiate on his own policy and then water them down. 
Yes, and I'm particularly interested in some of his economic and labour reforms. I know that uh, in France, the 35-hour work week is something that has been around for quite a while and the system of employment and holidays and rights of workers are also very important to the French. What um, are his proposals around um, the working week and and making France more business-friendly and in, and in turn potentially um, bringing back some of the, the rights or benefits that workers currently have? Yes, so definitely he's got a plan for workers which uh, uh, workers are not going to maybe enjoy that well and uh, especially because he's got a kind of um, newly ruled set of, uh, of policies. Um, on the, for, for the little story, it's true that actually we still emphasize on the 35 hours, but the 35 hours uh, contract does not exist in quite a while. They are still there in the law, but uh, the law has been actually kind of... Uh, uh, watered down in such a way that actually flexibility has come back for quite a while now, and uh, it, it's still we're still talking about it, but it doesn't really exist as such. I would say, just just to be precise on this particular point, mm, so kind of like our eight-hour working days, which don't really exist anymore. Well, exactly, this is exactly the average working hours in France is 41, something like that. So obviously the 35 hours are not there, I would say. Yeah, but, an um, ideal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but on, on other issues uh, such as uh, workers' flexibility, uh, social services, and unemployment benefits, he, he really wants to actually make work, um, if I may say that like that, a bit less secure and actually make workers much more flexible, copying a little bit the kind of German system of uh, flexibility which was, impo- which was imposed and implemented something like 10 years ago. So this is a kind of style of policy you want to have. Indeed. And I mean, you mentioned there Germany. Macron has uh, somewhat sided with German Chancellor Angela Merkel uh, when it comes to refugees and immigration, saying that, quote, confusing terrorists with asylum seekers, refugees and migrants is a profound moral, historical and political error. Do you think that that is something that the majority of French really can get behind because I know that it was a hot topic in, and it was one of the key platforms that Marine Le Pen uh, was running on. Yeah, and, and this is very this is very interesting because although, and I agree with you, immigration could have been the kind of traction, political traction that Marine Le Pen could have uh, served on during a political campaign, she has not been able to, to uh, impose this issue. Uh, rather, rather, I would say the conversation during the whole campaign was rather about unemployment, the economy, um, and Europe. That, that was the, the, the three big uh, uh, topic apart from corruption allegation, of course. But um, talking about the alliance between Marco, um, Macron and Merkel, well, of course, the alliance is going to work really well, especially because Macron doesn't want to exit the European Union. So for Germany, it is a very good uh, a very good news to have Macron in power. But more than this, I think for all the European Union, the fact that this is Macron who has who's been voted in is a very good news, particularly because the European Union is showing a 
a really strong unity uh, in negotiating uh, the Brexit with uh, Great Britain. So the, the Macron election is going to, I would say, reinforce this unity in negotiating the Brexit with Great Britain. Yeah, absolutely. And that's point as well, why the French people uh, uh, are not very happy with the European Union. Uh, something like three, three quarter of the French people want to keep being into, into the European Union. What they want is to have some change, but they don't really, they don't really overwhelmingly want to leave it. Yes, and what is Macron going to do? Because, I mean, has he proposed reforms to the EU and France's relationship with it? Yes, in the last day of the political campaign, he kind of uh, of opened uh, the door for negotiation, and I think it was to um, uh, attract more voters by uh, saying, yes, I understand, we are not all very happy about the European Union, so then I'm going to ask that some reform are being made in order for the European to be more in our favour than it is right now. So, that's, yes, it has opened... He's open, obviously, to some kind of negotiation to transform uh, the European Union. Indeed. Uh, I'm sure there's always room for improvement. Um, oh, and yes. <laughs> indeed. And similarly, <laughs> globalisation and how that's working for France. But uh, I know that the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, has come out and said that uh, this decisive victory for Macron really emphasises the need for a decisive victory for Britain. Uh, obviously, she'd hope that's in her favour. And you mentioned there the Brexit negotiations. This kind of French move towards um, unity and, and ongoing integration um, clearly does strengthen the hand of the EU in negotiation deals. How important do you think it is that um, Europe remains united and that these ongoing issues um, around loaning money and owing money such as, um, as Greece and its uh, deficit, how much of a, a discord does that create within the relationship do you think? Well, for, for, for Emmanuel Macron, and I think for everybody, it is every member and government of the European Union, it is very important that they are unified if any of them wants the European Union to, to keep being and to keep going on. Of course, it's not perfect. Everybody admits that. But um, for trade, for uh, economic cooperation, for... Peace, if I can, if I can actually even use that word, the European Union is is a fantastic tool. Well, I would like to add to that as well. It's like, well, the different governments in Europe tra- tend to use uh, the European Union as a kind of punching ball when uh, they tend to blame the European Union for what's not going well. Why? This is all the governments and the members of the different governments who, who are decided, deciding about what's going on in the European Union. So in some ways, if we don't like the European Union, it's because our different governments are made it like that. So it means as well that we can change it at any time. We've been able to make it like that. We can change it at any time. It's a democratic process after all. Yes, you raise a, a very good point there. <laughs> and um, just finally on, on Emmanuel Macron, the man, he's the youngest leader of France since Napoleon Bonaparte. What do you think his leadership style will be? And presumably it will be a little bit different to Napoleon's. 
well, let's hope it's going to be different <laughs> from Napoleon. Otherwise, I think our neighbors are not going to appreciate it. Indeed. So much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I, I, I think he's going to be quite, uh, quite authoritarian because I think he, he knows exactly what he wants. And I'm not, I'm not using this word in a kind of negative way, but in a really positive way that he's actually knows what he wants and he's going to try to push forward his own political agenda in that way. But if I can say something, if you look at what's happening right now in France since he's been voted in, there is two parties, Marine Le Pen's party and Jean-Luc Mélenchon's party, who are trying to impose themselves as being the main opposition for the following five years. And this is something that actually everybody is going to have to look at because there's going to be a lot of resistance and and protest in France and it has already started uh, against the kind of policy that Emmanuel Macron wants to put forward. For example, there were already a protest yesterday, not a big one, but in Paris uh, against uh, Emmanuel Macron presidency. Um, the protesters were particularly, say, particularly, particularly saying to Emmanuel Macron, Okay, we voted for you. But the reason we voted for you is because we did not want to vote for Marine Le Pen. It does not mean that we're going, we're giving you a blank check. You're going to have to pay attention to us. And I find that actually quite interesting. Very interesting. And I mean, uh, the French don't, certainly don't shy away from protests and um, very healthily like to protest. So it'll be very interesting to see how they voice their opinions when he actually starts trying to implement some of his policies. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Maurice, uh, for joining us. It's just absolutely fascinating and um, you've given us such an amazing insight into the, uh, the French presidential elections and France itself. It was a pleasure talking to you.